0: buddy. I'm JR. He's Bobby. She's Pam. No, wait. I'm Jock. She's Lucy. He's Cliff. No, that ain't it either. This isn't Dallas. This is Vikings Report. Drew and Ted. Drew, how you doing?
1: Welcome, everybody. Episode 27. And always remember something. I'm cooler than you. Now you can get it together and light this this candle.
0: All right, I'm cooler than you are. Why don't you fix your little problems and light this candle. He's right. Let's light this candle. He surely is. Light the candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. He's right. Light this candle. What a great clip. This is a great clip. Yeah, you, you know what movie that's from, right? You still haven't watched the right stuff, have you?
1: I have not watched the right stuff, but that's Dude, become that like a, a movie. that's become like a regular part of Vikings Report.
0: It's that's like a great movie.
1: I told the last time I watched it, that was a flat out lie. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to uh, maybe this weekend, maybe this weekend, I can find time to crunch into my busy
2: schedule. <laughs>
0: All right, we're not talking about the right stuff this week. We are talking about the TV show, Dallas. People in our our age group, generation, whatever, that was a big show the parents watched when we were, God, I think I was in school. I was still in grade school, I think, when the show came out. Was there a bigger show
1: in 1980 on TV than Dallas? No, was that the year who shot Jr. That was the year that somebody shot JR and where everybody was kind of wondering why. 14 seasons, Ted. Go ahead. Give me an episode. Count on this. 255. 357 to take over first place on the VR episode wow. list. Three, I, knew-
0: five, seven. I knew it went on for a long time because it started in the 70s. And it didn't end until the 90s, right? It went into the 90s, didn't it? 1978
1: to 1991,
0: man. So it was on for like three decades, three separate decades. That's That Dude, doesn't happen to a lot of TV shows. 78
1: more episodes. We've done a lot of TV shows. What, 22 or something? Yeah. That's 78 more episodes. My math's right. It probably isn't. And Cheryl Burnett had it, 279. That was our highest total. A lot of shows copied them after that, and they completely ran that drama stuff. Knots Landing, all that stuff. They Dynasty? Yeah, that, that was a spin-off on that show. There was always some kind of turmoil going. My mom loved that show. Let, you know, all my, my sisters were watching that show. Everybody really liked Dallas in our
0: house. The, the three things I remember the most about that show, like everybody hated J.R. Ewing. And, and for those of you that, that can't understand why Dallas was such a big hit, remember for a lot of America back then, you, you only had three channels, ABC, CBS, and NBC. Cable was just kind of making its way across the country. Not everybody had it. But everybody could get those three channels. And, and Dallas just sort of became a, a, a phenomenon in the, in the country. That's the only only way you can describe it. And then the J.R. Ewing was made to be such an evil dude that, that when he got shot, that's all. I mean, I was, I was like 12. I was like 12. And that's all we talked about in school. Who do you think did it? Who shot J.R.? It was the cliffhanger that captivated the nation. Did you see the show last night? I I actually, I was not a huge fan of the show because it was kind of an adult theme. Right. And I was a kid and I, you know, but even I watched the show where he got shot and then the show after who revealed it and it was uh, one of the. I think a galley had an affair with. I don't. Well, whatever. I don't remember. But yeah, I, I watch like all of America watched those shows.
1: <laughs> that was probably the biggest drama to unfold going into the decade of the 1980s. Was that and it went from, uh, you know, Larry Hadman was playing uh, what
0: Major Nelson on I Dream of Genie, so he was always a fun guy. I knew him as Major Tony Nelson, just this fun loving kind of dopey guy in a, in a sitcom, and he and he does like this complete character 180, <laughs> and and becomes. Just this degenerate, evil guy. I yeah. mean, all the way through. You're out of your league, honey. You're going to be sorry you ever even thought of that. You know what's
1: funny is Patrick Duffy, who played Bobby Ewing, he said him and Hagman would wake up in the morning and drink like two bottles of champagne and just start drinking throughout the day. So Patrick Duffy said by by 4 o'clock, the late taping, they saved all the mean parts for when Hagman was all lit up and like angry. And he would get angry. Well, he did a lot of drinking on I Dream of Genie too,
0: Larry Hagman. And I heard oh. when he was drinking, he was a mean drunk.
1: Oh, that they used that to the show. Some yeah. of those scenes were like, the, the director's saying, thank God he's drunk. He's really, wor- <laughs> he's really working out great. It had what, Linda Gray and it had the great Barbara Belgetti's, rest in peace. Yeah. Charlene Tilton. Charlene Tilton. Again, here we go. How's that sound? How's that sound, Ted? Do, 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 do. Oh, the <laughs> wow. What did you say oh. last week? <sighs> <laughs> Charlene Tilton. There we go. Now we have another one that's made out with me a bunch of times that just doesn't know it.
0: Because that that <laughs> launched her. I mean, because she was very much, you know, in the 80s, kids had posters of like Morgan Fairchild, no, Fair no. Fawcett Majors, Charlene Tilton. You know, Tilton you can was- go, go to Spencer's and buy those posters and put on the wall. Charlene Tilton was a big seller. Charlene Tilton was my gal. She's my favorite was she- one. Yeah, she's my favorite,
1: favorite one. I loved her. She was real good friends with Larry Hagman. She was uh, uh, just in high school or in, you know when she was a teenager. And really? that was part of how she got her foot in the door to audition for that part. But they remained friends and friends. And she was he was always like a father figure to her throughout all the years, even after Dallas ended. So they were really, really close. And she was very distraught when Hagman passed
0: away. Now, the one other thing I remember about Dallas is uh, they had the one season at the end of it, uh, Bobby Ewing got hit by a car and he died. <laughs> yeah, they were re- they were reaching for stories, and, dude. And, and people were furious. They were just furious. They were mad. So, like the next season, I think he sat out, and then he came back the season after that. And they said the season prior prior to that was Pam, I think, was his wife. Right was was just one bad dream, and he never died. That was the jump to shark moment for for Dallas. <laughs> <laughs>
1: They had lost everybody. They were, yeah. like, holding on to what they – yeah, I remember the, the big dream thing they had. But, you know, for the time it ran, though, that was that show was on fire, bro.
0: Yeah, it, it was – I think it was probably – you probably know this more than I do – like, the highest-rated show on TV for seven, eight years in a row. I, remember, I think it's still,
1: it still has second place on the last episode, even though they had lost all the stars to MASH. I think MASH had that that last episode. Maybe Cheers was up there, too. But But Dallas was – like I said, Dallas paved the way for directors and everybody yeah. else to start coming out with shows like that. Many of them were spinoffs from that take, but we'll never forget the uh, affluent and feuding Texas Ewing family.
0: And the opening with the big ranch, the Ewing ranch, and the, that was just cool with the white with, with the white split rail fence. Yeah, just it iconic. Was,
1: you know, they don't, I don't know what happened with the TV shows, Ted, but now it's all reality TV. I mean, cooking yeah. show, cooking yeah. show, how to rebuild your house. It's not like yeah. it used
0: to be. So It's, not. it's not. If you have
1: a chance to watch Dallas, um, who recommended that one for tonight?
0: That one was recommended to us by uh, Christopher Gates. You may know Christopher Gates from a few appearances here on Vikings report with Drew and Ted. And since Chris recommended it and we are talking about him, now is as good a time as any to, to mention that when the Viking season starts, we are going to do a live post game show, just like we did the live draft show. We're going to have a live post game reaction show after every Vikings game and Christopher Gates is, is going to be one of our co-hosts.
2: What? What?
0: What? What? Do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Yeah! Not sure what we're going to call it yet. If you guys in the comments want to give us a good suggestion about what the show should be, and no, it's not going to be showy McShow face. It's just (laughs) not. We're not going to do the Boaty McBoatface stuff. Give us some ideas. If we like it, if, if one of you guys give us, a, or gals give us a really good suggestion, you're going to win a prize. Don't know what that prize is. Not going to be very huge or anything like that, but it's a prize. So yeah. there's a prize up for grabs. If we like one of the titles that, that is recommended to us again, give us the, the uh, a recommendation in the YouTube comments. Cool. Name our show. Come on. Hey, tell Chris Gates before he comes on here, work on your
1: Rochambeau game, because that guy is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> terrible attack play it Scissors beats paper paper covers rock rock blunts scissors so three Plus, I smashed it oh i thought it blunts them <laughs> remember we were playing that on that draft yeah. night couldn't yeah. get it couldn't get the rhythm my god oh, he's a drummer he'd be struggling chris gates thank you for recommending dallas we're looking forward to doing our after show
0: games with you dude you are a wealth of knowledge and a great one-liner it's going to be a blast if you liked our live draft show and you like the interaction we had We're going to have that not for five hours a night. I can't do five hours a night, especially after like a Monday night game. But we'll be on for about 45 minutes to an hour, a little bit after the game, maybe half hour after the game, whatever, and and we'll do a live post-game recap. So anyways, before we get to our player, do you guys your over-under for this week, Drew? Yes, I do have the over-under. We have the over-under game week three. If you
1: played the first two weeks, you're in good standing to have a chance to win the big prize at the end. We are doing an over-under game, the Vikings report over-under. Ask one question a week. You don't need to do any math. No math needed. All you got to pick is over-under in the question I'm about to ask. But the only way you can enter is by watching the show and putting your answer in the comments below. Can't do it through Twitter or anything else. The only way you can enter is on this show. And we'll have, like I said, 10 weeks. It's going to take us right up to opening kickoff. And then you'll have all your over-unders filled out. And at the end of the season, when we tally up all the stats from this game, then we will name an over-under champion. And if we do have a tie, we will bring out the bag of cornucopia, put the tie, the people have the tie names in that bag, we'll shake it up a few times, we'll snag out a winner, and you will have a killer prize.
0: What's the over-under for this week, brother?
1: This week's over-under That was a good one, man. <laughs> that, was, that was a good one. This week's over-under. Question three. Just for the 2021 regular season, over-under 1,450. 1,450 yeah. receiving yards for Justin Jefferson this season.
0: How many did he have last year?
1: He had 1,400 last year. He had catches the first two weeks, but he didn't start the first two weeks. So he you know that that has to factor in, plus we have the extra game. So I padded it with fifty yards. So mm-hmm. you're basically betting if Justin Jefferson has a bigger year this year than his rookie year
0: last year. It's about the same. I added 50 yards. We're 1450. I think I might take the over on that one. Yeah? I, I think I would. I'm I'm gonna go over. I I, I really like Justin Jefferson. I think Do you think I, that number
1: is pretty pretty level though? I think that's pretty right where yeah. it should be?
0: I think I think that's a good number. I mean you've got this extra game I think has thrown a lot of people I, I think I think guys are gonna I don't wanna say get hurt more, but I, I don't know that they're gonna play as many plays per game as right. they would normally. I, I don't I, I don't know. It, it it remains to be seen. But yeah, I think that's good. If you're just catching on to this game now, start now and play the next seven weeks because you can still win yeah. it. Again, Justin Jefferson receiving yards, regular season over or under 1,450 yards. YouTube comments only. Don't put it on Facebook. Don't put it on Twitter. Won't accept it. Your answer, you can put it in until Wednesday. The show airs on Saturday, so you have until the following Wednesday at noon to enter for this week's over under. I have a little surprise. Oh, what's your surprise? Oh, I like how you did that. Oh.
1: Oh, really? I have one more game to announce. Not today. Oh. That's gonna yeah, one more game here at Vikings Report that we're gonna carry on. That's gonna you get you get, it's only a one-time sign up, but you'll sign up before opening day against Cincinnati. So we're gonna be running two games here, Vikings Report.
0: All righty. This is something this is this is news to me. So I I'm, didn't want to tell you because we like you know, we don't like to plan everything, Ted. We don't
1: script it. Remember, we don't prepare.
0: That's one <laughs> of our we may not know what we're doing, but at least we're not ready for it.
1: I said, Ted, you want to start the show back in January. If you, if you want to prepare something, I can't use you. You have to be unscripted. You can't do any preparation. He says, Drew, I'm your dude.
0: You had me at hello. <laughs> <laughs> this will be perfect. <laughs> so, so get that over under entry in. Our player this week. You know, Drew Punning, the yeah. Minnesota Vikings have a long history of talented all-pro linebackers.
1: They really do. They really do.
0: You just uh, just off the top of my head, Mike Merriweather, Scott Studwell, Ed McDaniel, in current day Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, mm-hmm. Jack Del Rio has played linebacker. Guys like Roy Winston, Wally Hilgenberg, Lonnie Wardwick. You know one guy though that that I think ranks right up there with them. That always seems to be overlooked and not talked about as much. Number 50, Jeff Seaman. Played, played in the middle of those, some of those the latter years of those great purple people eaters defenses. Just a fantastic middle linebacker. Oh man, one of the best.
1: By the way, very good, very good list right there, man. We you named off some real, real legends there, but I think Seaman, I think me personally, Studwell, Matt Blair, Seaman. And yeah. that, that's how I got him listed. And, and ironically enough, that's how the tackling order went too. Studwell was first. And then uh, came Matt Blair was second with fourteen oh four, and then no, a third ranking tackler on the Minnesota Vikings of all time is Jeff Seaman. What a
0: tremendous football player! I, I mean, he stepped in in like the early seventies, took over. Like the linebacker core had undergone a little bit of transition. Roy Winston and and Lonnie Warwick were were retiring, and and they the Vikings. Everybody talks about the Purple People Eaters' defensive line, and as well they should because arguably the best defensive line in NFL history. But the, linebacker, the the linebackers of that era were just as good, and they just don't get as much publicity because of how great that defensive line was. You know, They don't get enough publicity. Unless you really get a deep dive and start
1: getting into that guy's whole career. The guy never missed a game in 11 seasons, Ted. It's
0: incredible. He didn't miss one game. Is that a tasty, tasty tidbit to leave right in? Look at how many of those guys on both sides of the ball back then never, always answered the bell, never always. missed a game. Always. Torkin did never miss a game. Foreman never missed a game till his knee injury in 78. Tough, um, tough guy, tough guys. Tinglehoff, 17 straight years. Jim Marshall set the all time record for consecutive games played. Alan Page never got hurt. Carl Eller never got hurt. Jeff Seaman never got hurt. But none of those guys ever got hurt for a significant period of time. It's incredible when you look <laughs> back on how durable those guys were. Now, it's almost like not one of them wanted to be that
1: guy. That ended yeah. Up being on the bench, you know, they don't want, And you factor in Bud Grant with the stare down. Nobody wanted you know everybody wanted to play. No, no heaters on the sidelines. All that stuff factors into it was a team back then. Nobody wants to let the other guy there's probably a lot of guys
0: playing really hurt too. I mean, he had to be looking at guys like Carl Eller and Jim Marshall, who are 37, 38 years old, and they're slogging it out every week, every practice, every game. Like, if those guys can play, I can play.
1: Yeah, exactly. Jeff Seaman, 1972. To 1982, selected 10th overall first round by the Minnesota Vikings out of Stanford. First off, let's just say, guy played in two Rose Bowls, three Super Bowls, and four Pro Bowls. I mean, Jeff Seaman played in all sorts of big-time games. But when he was at Stanford, got this. 1971, his Stanford team beat number two-ranked Ohio State and ended their national championship chances. (laughs) I love it. Uh, a Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Seaman led Stanford defense, held OSU at only 17 points, and they beat them in 71. In 72, Stanford knocked out Michigan from the national championship running the next year, 13 to 12. So both of our teams got their ass kicked by Jeff Seaman's defense on Stanford. I was not aware of that. I, I was he- not either. They, they beat back-to-back uh, Rose Bowls against our teams.
0: I, I mean, I remember reading about those that Ohio State loss in the Rose Bowl that year because, I mean, that just – unfortunately, Big Ten teams just didn't do well going out to the West Coast and playing those games. But I, no. And I, I never watch games – like I, old games that are on that my team lost, whether it's Ohio State or the Vikings, I never watch them. I'm not going to watch them. I'm not going to waste two hours of my life watching them lose a game I know they're going to lose. He was <laughs> Just not going to do
1: it. Oh, man. They got John Ralston, who coached the Broncos in the 70s. He was Jeff Siemens' coach at Stanford. Okay. And Ralston talked about uh, how he had the unique sixth sense of knowing where a player was going to go before the player got there. He said it was uncanny a Jeff Seaman's of Jeff Siemens' instincts of finding a ball carrier and getting to the spot before he did. Matter of fact, John Ralston said – he had only seen the best defensive players he's seen, Merlin Olson, Dick Buckus, Tommy Nobis, and Jeff Seaman are the four best defensive players he's
0: ever coached or ever and, seen play. And if you ever watch footage of the old purple people leaders and uh, the, uh, that defense of that era, you'll notice that the Vikings defensive line gets upfield. Their, their initial job is to, is to get into the backfield and pressure the quarterback. Right, which is why the linebacker play was so important. When and when Seaman was there, it was Seaman, Wally Hilgenberg, uh, and Fred McNeil. But those three guys, And Matt Blair was also there. Matt Blair, yeah, yep. Matt Blair took over in, in the mid seventies too. Those guys were the guys that would this that okay let let Eller, Marshall, Page, and Sutherland or Gary Larson go upfield. and if they create if if their pressure creates an opening in the in the line, we'll plug it. And nine times out of 10, by God, they did. And it was right. It was an impressive defense to watch. Uh, you, could,
1: you could watch 10 Viking games, and Hilgenberg, Blair, and Seaman wouldn't miss one tackle. Not no. one. They no. were the best tackling set of linebackers throughout the
0: entire decade of the 70s. That's so good. And then, you know, and then we've talked about this. So, What happened in the Super Bowl, Drew? I just, I just, it's so. The more, the more, you know. I love, and I love the segment we do because I get to go back and and watch highlights of old games and and players, and they're they were so stinking good. And then they get to the and they they made so many big plays to get to the Super Bowl, and then they just fell apart in that game. I just, I, it just. (sighs) It mystifies me to no end. this day, it just just mystifies. I I, I wanted to ask
1: you about, I saw something during the week, and I think I might have sent you a message. I can't remember. I can't remember what I did three days ago. But I watched, I watched 26 Toss Power Trap. I watched that stupid Hank Stram in that Kansas City Super Bowl, right? Yeah. When they beat us 23 to 7. You know what, Ted? The next year, the Vikings started the season playing the Chiefs. Essentially the same rosters right across the board. The next season, opening day, Vikings kicked their ass in every facet of that game. They Completely, hundred percent dominated them. And I think they I did. sent you a message going, This why why didn't that happen in the Super Bowl?
0: Uh, you mentioned Fran Tarkin had just got really conservative in those games. I think Bud Grant did too, because you watched that Super Bowl four highlight with Stram liked up. The Vikings were very predictive in their play calling. I mean, Stram knew what was gonna what they were gonna call. Sure. I, I mean it was weird. It was just weird knowing. Uh, seeing seeing that team that had played so well played so poorly
1: but, it is mystifying it's mystifying but anyway uh, so we got Seaman, off tangent
0: we got we got to get back at Jeff Seaman how good he was
1: Jeff Seaman is a tremendous player man like I said he's third all-time in tackles for the Vikings behind Scott Studwell and Matt Blair just solid like another one of those players never got hurt always was in there when he played he was a difference maker just a tremendous tremendous football player
0: just made big plays. Just all those guys on that team just made big plays all the time. And, and Seaman was right there, right there with them. Just and a lot of times
1: play. when the wide, when the running backs would get wide and try to run on the perimeter, which was always a mistake against Eller and his Eller was just as fast as one of the linebackers. Nobody could ever run wide on the Vikings. A lot of times, Jeff Seaman was waiting over there ahead of the corner, like wait, like he would wait for the running back, like, okay, hey, dude. <laughs>
0: Come on over so I can tackle you. Yeah, great, great player. I don't know if they had captains back then, but he very well could have been a defensive captain because he called, he called the defenses in the huddle and and just, you know, the and the one thing one thing about Seaman is the, the middle linebacker position to this day and and back then especially was the quarterback for the defense and I can't tell you how many times watching those games, other teams, other defenses against the Vikings are are scrambling around they're not knowing where they're supposed to be set and what they're doing you rarely saw that you rarely saw the Vikings being confused and out of position and and not understanding their job and their role in in the defense and that in large part was due to Jeff Seaman calling the defense getting them set and then executing the play when the ball was snapped all of those guys
1: all of those guys were so football iq dialed in i don't even think the coach had to do much with that defensive squad of the teams in the 70s was seaman was a coach on the field they all were i imagine if one guy got out of position the team let him know i doubt even the
0: coaches had to say anything to him yeah and they all played together like you said for so many years so many years and and they never missed a game that's just as mind-boggling as any other stat you can throw out there how durable those guys were
1: we should add up the defense when you do Page, Eller, all those guys, add them up, the games missed. Add up all the games played, figure out how many they missed. I bet you it's, it's
0: mind-staggering. I bet Anthony Barr missed more games last year than those guys <laughs> did in five.
1: Kentrell Brothers. <laughs> mind-blowing, Ted. My, you know what else is mind-blowing? What's that? You know that cane you see commercials for, that hurricane? Really good cane, by the way. The oh, cane. My, the four-pointed, the, four, the, yeah. the four. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Millions have sold tremendous product. Why didn't the hurricane people use the scorpions as their ad? Here I am, damn it, Here I am. Rock you like hurricane. Because <laughs> it's called the hurricane, right? Instead of Rocky like a hurricane, they could have said rocky like, you like,
0: like a hurricane. Why? Why didn't why wasn't that seen? You, you should have been in marketing. You should have been an advertising executive. You missed your calling. I don't know why I threw that in there. My mind works in mysterious ways, Ted. (laughs) All right. So, uh, Jeff Seaman, stalwart for the people leaders era, 72 to 82. Just a great, tremendous player. We got training camp quickly approaching. I think – by the time this show airs, we'll be less than a week away from guys reporting. Well, why,
1: why did we pick Jeff Seaman to do the, his j- jersey tribute today? What was the reason for that, Chad?
0: Because well, today we are... 50 days. 50 days from, not training camp, from week one. 50. 50. That's no like time than, at all. That's, that's less than 51. <laughs>
2: Genius hits a target that no one else can see.
0: If the 4th of July were on any other day,
1: we'd have to call it something else.
0: <laughs> why do you
1: guys laugh at your dumb jokes? <laughs> dumb. I, why not laugh at it? You gotta laugh not? every day. Football can be fun too, you don't have to be serious all the time. If, you want me to be serious? You want me to, if, you want me to be
0: serious? No. No, don't. No.
1: Dalvin Cook, no. 4.3 yards when he rushes to the right, and Dalvin Cook when he rushes to the left. And then the Vikings defense line up in a 4 or 3, but often 29% of the time they'll line up in a two man under zone or maybe a two man shell over the top. Is
0: that what you want us to show to be? Is that what you want? But we're not going to do that. We are going to move on and we're going to start talking because we're getting close to regular season and training camp. The position group we're looking at and the player we're looking at this week is in, in the safety. As we've done this position group thing, yeah. we've, we've kind of noticed something. Like, you get past the starters and maybe one guy, the roster depth, which I thought had the Vikings done a pretty good job of addressing, at least in the position groups we've talked about so far, maybe not so much. Let's, uh, let's look at the safety position. Okay, let's do that. Currently on the Vikings roster, you have Miles Dorn, Martin Luther, James Tiberius Kirk, <laughs> Josh Metellus, Harrison Smith, free agent signing Xavier Woods from – what team did he play for last year? Dallas. Dallas. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little slow. I was thinking about Charlene Tilton. Okay, And the rookie who's going to be our draft profile spotlight this week, Cameron Bynum. Drew We've, yeah. We
1: have stumbled across it again. The same thing has happened again, like it did with the tight ends. We talked about Zach Davidson. And mm-hmm. it happened with the defensive ends, or who was it? Different?
0: Well, we, we talked, yeah, we talked to Darius Robinson last week. And there's, you know, after Daniil Hunter, arguably Stephen Weatherly, it's wide open for backups. I mean, I, I think the Vikings are going to lean vets, but there's some talent there that could, could supplant those guys. When we talk defensive tackles, we talked Jalen Twyman and and you usually think a sixth round guy has kind of a long shot to make the roster. But when you look at the roster depth outside of, I mean, look, you got, you got Michael Pierce, Sheldon Richardson and um, Dalvin Tomlinson. That's it. Dalvin Tomlinson. We're we got it together, folks. We're just, Oh, you still got one or two positions at least. And there's not a lot of talent after those guys. And, and Twyman's got a very good shot of making the roster. And you can say the same about the safety position group as well.
1: Safety and wide receiver, Ted. Those are my biggest concerns when you're talking the word depth. It's safety and wide out, man. Look at those two positions for after the starter, dude. Yeah. Ooh,
0: scary. We also talked about wide receivers as well when we talked to Mir Smith-Marset. He's probably got a great shot to make the team because of the lack of wide receiver depth. That's very true.
1: We did talk about that, but in general, the wide receiver group is like the safety group. Nothing really, those names don't really stand out. I mean, I know. Metellus is a Michigan guy, but he, you know, he was, he was kind of a marginal player there when I used to watch him in Michigan and you we got, haven't seen Woods play. We haven't we haven't seen him play.
0: You know, and, and both him and, and, you know, Patrick Peterson, probably the well, Bashad Bashad Breland as well, those three guys, all three of them had kind of down years last year. So they, not only are they going to be thrust into a starting job, more than likely, maybe, maybe, maybe not with Breland it remains to be seen, but they're going to be expected to rebound and have a very good year as well. So, man, I, so talk to me after you got Harrison Smith and Xavier Woods, you got Miles Dorn, Luther Kirk, Josh Metellus, and Cameron Blindham. The Vikings usually go with four safeties right. on their roster. I mean, after Smith and Woods, I, I, Metellus, maybe? Is he a guy you, you, you think is going to be penciled in?
1: Yeah. Uh, we're keeping four on the roster. I want to start out by saying, don't be surprised if it becomes crunch time that Patrick Peterson falls back there to help out. I'm telling you, that guy can play some safety. At safety? He can play anywhere, dude. He can He can play anywhere if he's pressed into emergence. He knows that much about uh, reading route combos and all that. He, he's a very smart player. Not that that would be their first choice, but... I don't think he would be a slouch back there. I kind of would like to see that. I'd like to see Patrick Peterson playing a little safety. Now that his speed's dropped off a little bit, it doesn't seem like such a crazy idea to me.
0: But uh, yeah, I, I could I could see it if if somebody in the cornerback. See, but that's just it. Who who in that group is going to step up for Peterson if they if they oh, want to move him around? I'm saying if they really hit
1: a wall, like Woods and
0: Hitman went down at the same time. I'm with and they you. got
1: okay. pressed pressed into it, which is also why Cameron Bynum's going to make the team because if he's the most on that group, he's the most versatile of all of them, and he's only he hasn't even played a game yet, but he is because he could play both corner and safety. Woods, Hitman, Josh Metellus, and Cameron Bynum. So you got you got
0: another rookie making the team. Yeah, and I'm probably what's that five in a row? I think I think, I think that's you that's got that. every guy in the back end of the draft class making the roster so
1: far. And that's not me, Ted. I'm usually the big speculation guru. It doesn't give the guys a shot. Those later draft picks.
0: Yeah. I haven't making done.
1: it because the other guys aren't impressive. So I'll give Bynum the same reasoning for winning a job on the starting 53 starting roster this year is because of
0: that. Well, let since, since none of these really stand out to you, let's move on to Cameron Bynum then. Fourth round guy pick one twenty five over overall out of Cal. In Minnesota Vikings. I couldn't ask for any better. And I'm just super excited. Thankful to God. Thankful for my family thankful to just everybody that's helped me along the way and to the Vikings um, and just the whole Vikings everybody, coaching staff, team can't wait to join you guys and just be a part of the team I know the Minnesota Vikings drafted me as a safety and I'm more than willing to do it and I'm ready to go in safety and that's something I've been learning in the past years, just knowing that there's always a possibility I want to be as good as I can at every single position, so I'm, go- I'm coming in wrong. Now, correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong, but he was a cornerback his entire college career at Cal. Yes. the Vikings are going to convert him and move him to safety, which is why we were talking about him in the safety position. Right.
1: He played 42 games at Cal, very experienced back there at safety. And one of the, one, another reason I think he's going to make the team is the fact that he's, his football knowledge is really off the chart. He has some physical limitations that will keep him from being a, a press corner. He, He's not, he doesn't have any long speed, Ted. His quickness is really limited to the short space. So He'll never be a slot corner. I think the Vikings saw right off the bat that we need to bring this guy in and play him at safety because at safety you don't have to be a burner. It's more important to have your safety have the football knowledge more than the athletic ability. And when I say that, I think of somebody like Paul Kraus. Paul Krause was no athletic guru on the field himself. But Paul Krause was the smartest safety ever to play the game. So he used his head a lot. And that made up for his if he had lack of speed or lack of any athletic ability. But I think Bynum's versatility, I think the Vikings seen him and they thought, we could bring this guy in and make him a safety. He's a great tackler, which I know that always stands out to Zimmer. He wants somebody who can tackle off the edge. He's not scared to tackle. He likes to tackle. Tackling in the secondary is either you do it
0: or you don't do it. And, and like you said, Mike Zimmer's key aspects of his defense is, is defensive backs that stick and tackle and and don't let guys get away when when the Vikings defense was very good 2015 2016 2017 Xavier Rhodes Trey Waynes Harrison Smith Anderson Dale those guys in the in the in the secondary very rarely when when they wrapped and tackled did a guy get away and and that was not part of the Vikings defense last year. They were a very bad tackling football team. You know
1: how many remote controls that Sunday ho guy cost me? <laughs> Christ's sake, get into position, dude. What the hell are you <laughs> doing out there? Yeah, great hitter, great tackler, but the receiver's seven yards past him because he read the play wrong. Anyway, I don't want to get off on the weeds about that. Cameron Bynum, uh, round four, like you said, he was the second of what we had three fourth-round picks right there out of the draft we had three fourth rounders he was the middle guy taken switching to safety let's not forget he's already endeared himself to the fans pretty well right off the bat he had that video when you have a video of you wearing a vikings cape and you're jumping into big bear lake in california which isn't really a warm lake it's kind of icy cold you're going to endear yourself to the fans and that's what bynum did when he got drafted so that's right off the bat fans are going i like this guy's attitude Guy put a cape on. I don't know if he's sober, but who cares? He jumped into a lake with a Vikings cape on.
0: Now, now I know this probably has no correlation, but you live in California. Bynum went to Cal. Did you happen to see a lot of his games, being on the no. coach and watching football? No, I wouldn't watch a Cal game unless you held a gun to my head and forced me to. <laughs> Their
1: games were always on later, and I wasn't, you know, a big Cal. I'm not a big Pac-12. The Pac-12 has those 52 to 50 halftime games. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's like 104 to 100. That's you know, a like crazy offense, but I didn't see much of him play there. Alex Martinez, who watches the show religiously every week. Thank you, Alex, for being so supportive. He is my Bears dude. He's a Cal Bears aficionado.
0: Yeah. What's he say about old I have not Adam. yet to talk talk to Alex. <laughs> You know, I thought, I thought this is like this huge lead. I got a guy. He watches Cal. He knows Cal football inside and out. Alex Martinez. Well, what's Alex say? No idea. I ain't got a clue.
1: This
0: guy that owns a, <laughs> owns a
1: recording company watching this going. Wouldn't you have prepared that, Drew? That was Cameron funny. Bynum. He does know a lot about Cal football, and I will talk to him about it. Right when I watch the right stuff, I'll do the same thing.
0: All right. He only played four games with Cal last year due to the COVID. Now, was Dead. that because the team only played four games, or did he get COVID, or did he opt out? Do you know what the deal was with him? Uh, they did that. Uh, remember the Big Ten when they canceled all
1: the games and then decided to bring it back? Yeah. And some guys opted out, and some guys came back. He played four games and then opted out, and then Cal played some more. decided to play more games, but he didn't come back. He decided to prepare for the draft type of thing. Okay. Um, he only played four games, had 19 tackles, two tackles for loss, and a pick and two pass breakups. His junior year was really the impressive one. Ted, fifty-nine tackles, one pick, and nine passes defense, and he was all Pac-12 in 2019. His career is pretty impressive: 184 tackles, 121 solo, eight tackles for loss, six interceptions, 28 passes defense.
0: Let me ask you this: I know you've watched film on him. You may not have watched Cal football games, but I know you've watched film on him. I have. I have Jalen Holmes as my example here, and that was a, a and it was a poor transition because Holmes played defensive end in college, went to defensive tackle, did not do well. Right. How tough of a transition do you think it will be for him to go from cornerback to safety? Is it generally an easier transition going from corner to safety, but you add the difficulty of going from college to the NFL, tough hill to climb, Do you think you can do it, what?
1: Well, it always varies what kind of scheme you got, what kind of defensive game planning you're doing, what kind of defensive coaches you have, to tell how difficult something's going to be to transition from corner to safety but being that he was a coach in the backfield at cal he has the ability to read route combinations when guys are running when a wide receiver is running across the middle and he passes off to the linebacker or the tight end when they do a crossover and you have to figure out the route combinations let's just call it that he's he knows route combinations really well so he already knows the mental part of the game and this is part of why it's not going to be a hard transition listen to what he says about playing safety he said, coming from corner, going to safety, I know I can cover anybody on the field. It's just a skill set, moving to safety with my mental skills, just knowing that I know every single position on the whole defense is something I'm happy about, and I see a smooth transition for myself. Zimmer's a smart guy with the corners, and he he's is. got and, and with the safeties, he's got Hitman, he's got Patrick Peterson to lean on, Woods from Dallas, he's got a good, good uh, group of guys to learn from. It's a better position for him, Ted, because he's not, he doesn't have long speed and he's not quick. He's going to okay. struggle if he's at corner. He's a great tackler. You can put him up in the box, but being, it, being he doesn't have the long speed, putting him at safety buys him a little time. Okay. And he's got great instincts for the ball. He's—he's he's gonna. I think he's going to make the team, and I think he's going to contribute. I'm really one of the guys I'm excited to see play this preseason.
0: I got Bynum making the team here because the secondary was so bad. It was right. so bad last year. They need an infusion of talent. And you've got Smith coming back. You've got Woods coming in from Dallas. is going to be one of the backups. Does he have any special teams ability like a return? No,
1: he doesn't have any return. He was, didn't do any returning at
0: Cal. The only guy I don't have making the team right now is the guy we, we talked about last night, Generous Robinson.
1: Let me throw this last thing out with Bynum. Pro Football Network analyst Jared Bailey, he had the task of scouting the defensive backs at the Senior Bowl. And this is what he said about Cameron Bynum. It was a week of ups and downs for Cameron Bynum. He was beaten on multiple occasions in one-on-ones. But Bynum did have his moments where he was unshakable and made plays on the ball. He could be a hit-and-miss guy at the next level. Hmm. That is, you know, you're talking to a guy that was at the Senior Bowl, specifically watching the defensive backs. And I know there's probably a lot more to his report than that, but that was generally what he said about the guy. So, I think the guy has a tendency to get burned now and then. But you know, what Viking secondary guy doesn't get burned now and then? Well, at the Senior Bowl, did he play corner? Or did he play safety? I think he was playing corner at the Senior Bowl.
0: So he was getting an eva- he was getting evaluated at, at a position the Vikings are not going to play him at. So, so my final four in the in the in the safety group. Then I got I got Smith Woods. I'm gonna go. As much as I want to go with Martin Luther, James Tiberius Kirk, because I just I want to say that nickname every week, I think it's going to be Metellus. I think it's going to be Metellus and then Bynum. As the fourth. That's your Michigan love coming through right there. He's That's Michigan them. love. The Michigan liking. love just shining
1: through. I love it. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Who the hell ended up shooting JR? Anyway. Who shot JR? I don't JR. know.
2: It was Kristen Shepard, his sister-in-law oh Kristen
1: shepherd right by
2: mary crosby
1: yes she was my second favorite on the show mary i didn't know she's the one that shot i thought uh his drunk wife shot her shot him
0: yeah i can't remember all right so that'll about do it for our, our positional group review we are going to take a quick commercial break and we will be back for trivia i into submission. No, you're not. Shut up.
1: Got
0: Michigan and Dallas, my two most hated teams in football.
1: Who shot J.R. on Dallas? I'll just bet Cliff Barnes did the dirty deed. When the smoke's clear, dear, you'll find that it was Vaughn leaving Well, people is the ten most likely suspects, and Vaughn sounds very unlikely to me, Sherlock. People asked 11 Texas celebrities who done it, and one of them agreed with me.
0: There's even this Who Shot Jr. poll. People's asking everybody
1: everybody to vote. Everybody who follows Dallas should treat themselves,
0: treat their family, to this this
1: week's people. Why do you buy two peoples? So you
0: can vote for Vaughn while I send people the right answer. My baloney has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R.
2: My baloney has a second name. It's M-A-Y-E-R. Oh, I love to eat it every day. If you ask me why, because Oscar Mayer has a way with and a. Oh, I'd love to be an Oscar Mayer wiener That is what I truly like to be Cause if I were an Oscar Mayer wiener Everyone would be in love with me Welcome to Toot's Trivia, how are you guys doing?
0: Doing good, toots how are you?
2: Drew has tried so hard not to interrupt you. He has his hand over his mouth. It's so funny. So, Drew, I have a question for you. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Oh, my God.
1: Sorry, Toonces. Darn it. I really tried that way.
2: Drew, I have a question for you. What? What? We're talking about Dallas, and J.R. Ewing had this really famous quote he made on one of the shows where he said... A marriage is like a salad. The man has to know how to keep his tomatoes on the top. Drew, are you keeping your tomatoes on the top? (laughs) Yep.
0: Toss a lot of salad, do you, Drew?
2: (laughs) This week, I asked both of you for your favorite movie, actor, music, etc. So we're going to do some trivia regarding that. So we just have two categories. One is Drew. One is Ted.
1: I think it's my name's Drew and his name's Ted.
2: (laughs) Really? Uh, You are so (laughs) perceptive, Drew. Each person is going to get their own question. Ooh. So, Drew, we're going to have you go first. If Drew gets it wrong, you can steal the points, Ted. Okay. All right, Drew. What was the original title of the movie Alien?
1: Oh, something to do with space. I cannot remember.
2: Ted, you want to steal it? I don't know. Star beef.
1: Didn't have my croutons on top for that one.
2: <laughs> All right, Ted. Here's your movie question. In Bull Durham, according to Annie Savoy, where do the lava lizards of the Galapagos Islands breathe?
0: Their eyelids.
2: Woo! Good job.
1: Impressive, Ted Glover.
2: All right, Drew. Yeah. Here's your music question. What is John Paul Jones' real name?
1: Uh, I don't
2: know. <laughs> Ted? I don't know. John Baldwin. That's right. All right, Ted, here's your music question. Which nineteen eighty four Bruce Springsteen hit featured future friend star Courtney Cox in the video. Dancing in the dark. That is correct. Two hundred for Ted. All right, Drew. This one is your non-NFL question. Nineteen
0: ninety one. Good job, Drew.
2: Ted, here is your non-NFL question. Name one of the only two players to win the home run derby back to back.
0: Um Ken Griffey Jr.
2: Boom. Good job.
0: <laughs> oh, I knew I knew that. Oh.
2: That's 300 for Ted. All right, yeah, Drew. Ted,
1: Ted hasn't missed one yet.
2: Drew, you said you liked the TV show Parks and Rec. All right, in the TV show, what first name is shared by Ron's first two wives and his mother?
0: Wait, 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 wait. I know this. Oh, Tammy. Good job. Good job, Drew.
2: Woo had to think about it, but that's good. All right. And now, Ted, you like Chris Pratt. So here's a Chris Pratt question. Which Oakland Athletics first baseman did he play in Moneyball?
0: I I don't know.
2: Drew? No? Don't remember?
1: Gene Tennis. Scott Hatterberg.
2: All right, Drew, if you get this one right, you win automatically. (laughs) Look at that, Ted
1: Glover. Wait. All right, go ahead.
0: Guaranteed
2: to lose, now. <laughs> All right, true. You said that your favorite book was the 1965 book entitled Great Quarterbacks of the NFL. Can you name four of the ten quarterbacks that were profiled in that book?
1: Johnny Unitas.
2: That is correct. Otto Graham. That is correct.
1: Um, Y.A. Tittle.
2: Yes. One more.
1: And uh, mm, Bob Greasy. No. Brad Tarkenton.
2: I was going to say, if you don't get Fran Tarkenton... <laughs> All right. Here's all of them. You did get four. We'll still ask Ted his question, but wow, Drew, you actually won.
0: Good job, Drew. What do I get? A tossed salad.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ted, you said that your favorite book was The Stand. What event inspired the book?
0: Oh, um, the first thing that pops to my mind is Three Mile Island, but I don't think that was it. Chemical huh, no, was the
2: correct answer.
0: Did not know that.
2: What's Drew! the best? I, I won. Drew won.
1: That was fun. That was fun trivia. I a trivia.
0: Yeah, congratulations, man. That's well one. F- number four since fucking January. That's great. All so, right. We're leading it out. Again, I can't we, – we, we just can't thank you guys enough for watching and commenting and listening if you're, if you're downloading it via podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate the feedback. We appreciate the show recommendations, the greatest game recommendations, which we'll get to. We'll bring that back next week and do. I, I can't thank Ruby enough. I can't thank Liz enough for for the production and post-production that you guys make the show what it is. Drew and I just are, are stupid for an hour and you make us look smart and you throw in great, great videos. And, and I, I just, I, I just, it's just a ton of fun. Uh, getting really fired up as we get closer to the season and we got Chris Gates joining us. Don't forget, if you got a, show recommendation and it can't be showy mcshow face um let us know what it is and we will try to do better the next time drew take us home thank you for
1: watching episode 27 glad we could talk about dallas tonight thank you christopher gates for uh mentioning that putting that out there you want to see that show thank you for the recommendation on that of course the, the ones that have moved on from this planet barbara the pluvian in dallas barbara Belgetty miss ellie Jim Davis, who played Jock Ewing, and of course the great Larry Hagman. Those three are no longer with us, so we always give a shout out to the people that have passed on from our TV show. One more hand for Jeff Seaman, who never gets enough credit ever. One of the greatest Vikings ever. Glad we could talk about you and our jersey wrap-up tonight. Like, subscribe. You see that big subscribe thing that's rolling through there? Like and subscribe to the show. Ted's the best host of the business. Thanks for putting up with me. I know I'm not easy to work with. Tootsies, yeah, yeah. Thanks for putting all this together with Liz and we've got, don't forget to sign up for the over under it's week three, get your sign up in below in the comments below, get your over under. And we got another game starting. I'll talk about next week. We got a lot in store coming up for this season. People, we got a big, big plan for when the games actually start. So we're just getting through these last real rough times. We've got training camp right around the corner. And we will keep trying to bring this show to you, and we'll try to do better each week. But thanks again for watching. We really appreciate all the support. Say good night, Ted.
0: Good night, Ted.